Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Templey. sexual nature it should be for people that are 18 years or older heed my warning people i do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show the facts we're retelling you were presented to us by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims my description of the crime scenes are what i saw with my own two eyes If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today we're going to be continuing with Hook. And y'all stay tuned at the end of the show for a bunch of announcements. But as always, I'm going to give a shout out All you lifers, I love you, and I thank you, and I appreciate you so much for making us grow and sharing us and liking us and subscribing and leaving reviews on iTunes or wherever you listen to a podcast. I really do appreciate it. Patreon members, love, love, love you. Thank you for your support. You're going to be getting a detailed message about the crew bash this week before everybody else gets it, and then I'm going to release a... Um, special, I guess, drop next week explaining the crew bash and the different events we're going to have going on and all that. So I love y'all and I appreciate you. Let's get right down to it. When I left you last, we had just got done with the CAC interview on the baby and she had done her hand in what I now call a hook straight up with her hand bent over. And I had told the mom that I was talking with Jennifer and the mom and the grandmother had gone outside the CAC while we explained to the mom what the baby had said. And the mom didn't know what that meant. And and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to work it now, right? So the process I was thinking of in mind is obviously I wanted to go talk to the grandmother's common-law husband, but first I wanted to talk to her. So I went I went outside and I asked the mom to get the baby and, and sit inside with Jennifer and went out to the grandmother 
And I told her, I said, listen, I'm going to tell you what happened in the interview. And, and I did. And I explained that the baby acknowledged that she had gone to the doctor for her vagina. And she circled, circled the part on the diagram. And when asked if she knew what happened to her uh, vagina or who did something to, to her vagina, she did her hand up and I did it right in front of the grandmother's face. I, I did the hook like that, right? And as soon as I did it, the grandmother was kind of like, her eyes popped and she took it like, almost like a half step backwards. And and I was like, holy shit, you know, bitch knows something. And, and I was like, I said, what, what's that mean to you? And she said, uh, 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 doesn't mean anything to me. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, oh, no, it means something to you. And, and she said, uh-uh. And I said, okay, then you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney, prior attorney, during any questioning. If you can't afford one, a court appoint one for you. And she said, why are you reading me my rights? I said, because now this is obviously a criminal case. And when I just did the hook, um, like the baby did, you almost fell over. And she's like, well, I don't know what it means. And I said, do you understand your rights? And are you still willing to talk to me? She said, yeah, I'll talk to you. She said, I don't know what that means, though. And I said, okay. I said, I need to go uh, to your house, and I want to search it. She said, why do you want to search my house? I said, because the baby, when she got there that morning, obviously she wasn't hurt. When Mama picked her up from taking a nap and got her home, that's when she first observed the signs, and you know she called you and everything else. I said, so you've told me that nobody came over to play or anything like that, so I, I have to start somewhere, you know, and and I have to exclude you, 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 and your husband and your house. I mean, it's to me in my mind, it's, it's a potential crime scene. She said, "Well, I don't, I don't understand that." And I said, "Well, you don't have to understand it, and you don't have to like it, and I'm, I'm going to do it." I said, "For a matter of fact, I want you to come with me now to my office. I need to get a official written statement from you on a couple of things." She said, "Why?" I said, "Because I need to." And so I went back in. And I told the mom, "I said, can you follow us up there? You can sit outside. I just want the baby's mom." I just want to talk to your mother for a few minutes. And so went to the office. The first thing I did was when got uh, Brad Trull, the detective, a good friend of mine. He works for another sheriff's office now. Great guy, very knowledgeable, right? And I told him what was going on. I said, look, I'm going to have to get a search warrant, dude. And uh, I don't think they're going to cooperate. I think this is probably whatever happened, happened there. And I want to have a search warrant in case they don't cooperate. I said, can you go get it? Based off these facts, the baby was went there uninjured. She left injured, and they uh, have statements stating that nobody else came into the house. I said, I don't know what this guy's going to be like. I said, but if you can work on that, I'm going to take this, the mom's statement. And so he went to, to start working on it, and I brought her in, the, the grandmother in and sat her down. I had her sign the rights form and the consent to question, and she said, you're treating me like a criminal. I said, well, no, I'm treating you like a person that's lying to me. I said, because you're lying. And she said, no, I'm not. And, and I said, when I did my hand in the hook motion that your granddaughter did, you almost shit yourself. And she said, oh, I did not, I did not. And I said, what does that mean, sweetie? I said, look, you're either going to go down in a criminal case 
and and I mean, how bad is that? I said, personally, I don't believe that you had anything to do with it. I said, but I think you know more than what you're saying. And I said, you know, otherwise you wouldn't have said to call the cops. And she said, that's right. I said, what does the hook thing mean? She said, I don't know what that means. I said, all right, you know, you want to play it like that, then just write that out for me. I said, but also I want to know that day exactly what happened step by step. And she, she wrote out that the baby was dropped off, you know, they played and or the baby played with blocks and she watched VHS tapes or VCR tapes of uh, Barney and I think Teletubbies or some shit. And she said she served her some lunch and that the baby kept playing. And she said sometime after lunch, she took a nap, meaning the grandmother. And I said, I said the baby took a nap? She said, no, 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 no. She said, I fell asleep on the couch watching those uh, VCR tapes. And, and when I woke up, it was time for her to be picked up. And she was in my room asleep in a bed. I said, well, did she often sleep in your bed? She take a nap in there every day? She said, no. She said, actually, that was the first time. She said, that room's really hot. Um, she said, we don't have air conditioner, and that room's really hot, so I don't know why she was asleep in there. And I think, y'all, she was being honest with me. She said, I don't know why she was asleep in there, but I didn't think anything about it. The door was open, and I went in and woke her up, and her, you know, her mama showed up, and she left. I said, okay, so nobody else was in the house all day long except for you, and your husband and the baby. She said, that's right. I said, okay. And then I said, look, we're going to take a ride over there. You can go go with your daughter. And I said, it's not going to do you any good to, I mean, it's your home. You can go over there if you want to. I said, but that baby cannot go over there until we get this investigation done. I said, and then, you know, I'm going to have to call Office of Child Protective Services, let them know the main thing, my main goal is, I have two. One, I don't want that baby to be, put in a position where she could be hurt again. I said, I'm not saying it happened at your house. I said, but I, I haven't excluded your house or your husband or you yet. I said, so, you know, you, I, I don't believe that you did anything, and you haven't done anything the last, you know, 24 or 36 hours, however long it's been now. I mean, you've had access to the baby, and, she, and she's okay so just, I mean, the best thing for you to do is to just go to your daughter's house and wait on my phone call. And so I got him out and walked him out, and, and then we got the search warrant. And now, y'all, the search warrant, again, the probable cause for the search warrant was, but we were looking for any type of evidence of maybe blood or underwear or something, right? I mean, I really was fishing because I didn't have shit, but I had to start somewhere. And so we end up, it takes a little while to get the warrant and had to go down before the judge and he signed it. I mean, there's enough probable cause that that time frame the baby was hurt and that's, that's the probable location and nobody else had access to the residence. So they, we got it signed. I called for blue and white to go with us, a uniform deputy, and we, we showed up. We go to this trailer now. When I say trailer, this one was really small. It was a one-bedroom, had a little bitty porch on the front uh, with a little overhang on it. And you walk up on the porch, and the door was open, but it had a screen on it. Now, listen, it was hot. I'm telling you, it was by this time, it's like 
2 o'clock in the afternoon, and it is scorching hot, the kind of hot where you go to get in your car and you have to let your air conditioner run with the windows down for a few minutes because it's just that damn hot. Now, remember, we wore coat and ties, right? So we roll up to the residence and, got, and I have the search warrant in hand, but I don't want to play it just yet. But I go up, knock on the screen door, and I look through. I can hear fans running, a, a big box fan in, in the little bitty living room. So, again, the trailer really small one bedroom so you get to the screen door you go up those uh, three steps get to the screen door and i knock on it and i look i'm looking in and i can see this dude sitting in a recliner no tv on and he's just sitting in there and the box fan is running and i'm like i knocked on the door i said hey this is detective overton and i said i need to talk to you and he was like well come on in and so let me describe him to you. He, he was sitting down, but I could still tell he was tall, like taller than me. And he had this long, white, greasy hair, uh, like down to his shoulders. And he had no shirt on, no pants on, no shoes on. He's sitting there in his boxers. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I took a step inside the residence. And if you thought it was fucking hot outside, it was really hot in there. And even though they had the fan on, I was like, holy shit, man, it must be 100 degrees in, in here in the living room, right? And so I introduced myself to him, and he just he proceeded to uh, take out a Topps rolling paper and can of tobacco. Now, the only place I've ever seen these used is, is in the prisons, right? So he takes out a can of tobacco and he pinches them out some, some and puts it in the tops rolling paper and rolls up like a joint and it starts to smoke. Now, his, his face was old and, and wrinkled and he looked, and he was in his, I think, early 60s, but he looked way older than that. And his, he had a white mustache and a white goatee, but his white mustache was stained from the cigarettes. For the uh, from the tobacco from the cigarettes on on his upper and bottom lip, and I could see his hands were stained, his fingers were stained from the tobacco. So I knew he'd been a long time smoker, right? So he said, well, "Come on in," and 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 I told him, "I said, hey, look, you know, you know why we're here." And he said, "I guess it's behind that grandbaby." And I said, "That's right." And I said, "You know, we did a CAC interview with with her this morning, and." I just got to start somewhere, and I, I need to ask you about that day and what you remember and what happened. And he said, well, hell, it's just like every other day. I said, well, tell me about that. And he said, well, she comes over, gets dropped off. She sits around all day, runs my electricity up with the TV and the VCR, and she eats my food and takes up my whole damn day. Uh, you know, my wife, I can't even go anywhere, and, and I mean, he he wasn't. He was obviously no lover. Of, I can't say the lover. He obviously had no love for being a, a babysitting grandfather, y'all. So he, I let him ramble for a minute, and I could tell that about him. And, and I'm standing there, and I'm in coat and tie, and I am about to die. I'm sweating. And I said, listen, we'll call him Don. Mr. Don, I said, here's the deal. I said, did anybody come in this house that day? And he said, no. I, I said, and, and what happened that day? I need to, you paint it for me like a movie. He said, I already told you. She comes over and watches stuff, and then she eats my food uh, for lunch, and, and then then 
you know, she just plays. I said, well, what did your wife do? He said, what do you mean what she do? She played with her. I said, what did she do throughout the day? And he said, what do you mean? I said, did, did she go take a nap in your bedroom or anything like that? He said, no, uh, she, she, she fell asleep on the couch, though, in the afternoon time. I said, all right, and what did the baby do then? Then, I mean, I said, did you play with her? And he said, no, 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 she, she, uh, she ended up going in my, my room and, and getting in the bed and taking a nap. I said, all right. I said, does she do that every day? He said, no, no, I don't, no, uh-uh. And I said, well, why do you think she did it that day? He said, I don't know. And I said, all right. I said, well, look, I'm going to advise you your Miranda rights. And I did, y'all. And then he's like, am I under arrest? I said, certainly not. You're not under arrest. I said, but I, probably, I should have asked you, you know, I should advise you your Miranda rights already. I said, I don't know who did what to this baby, but I'm going to find out. And then if you just want to tell me that you did something, then I want to be able to use it against you. He said, well, I ain't do shit. And I said, all right. So Don, Mr. Don, I said, look, it's, as far as you know, nothing happened to that baby here. I said, no, ain't shit happened here. Ain't, ain't shit happened here. And I said, I said, you're disabled? He said, yeah, I'm disabled. I got a bad a bad back. And I said, all right. And, and now, y'all, we're sitting in here, and it is feels like it's 1,400 degrees. I'm just rolling sweats inside my jacket off my forehead, and he's sitting there in his drawers. So I said, Mr. Don, I said, I need to search your place. He said, what did you mean you're going to search my place? I said, I need to search your place. I said, it's just standard practice. You know, this and this is a probable crime scene. I said, I don't know. Maybe the the baby got in your room and, and got on something that could hurt herself. I said, I don't know, but I've got to start excluding things, and that includes you and your wife and this residence. And he said, well, I don't know about that. I said, well, you know, what do you mean? He said, I don't think I want you digging through my shit. I said, well, you know what? Uh, you ain't got that much shit here. I mean, y'all, this trailer was so small, but that we had, in this little bitty living room, it had a love seat, his recliner, uh, um, a little TV on a stand uh, in the VCR, and then directly behind him was the kitchen. And the kitchen was big enough for one of those little tables with like three chairs, a stove and an ice box. I mean, I could see it all. And to the right was the bedroom. It was a one-bedroom trailer. Uh, and there was a bathroom but the, in between the two. But I, I can see the bedroom door, and it's closed. And I said, well, you know what? It doesn't matter. And, and I turned to Brad to give me the papers, and he gave, gave it to me. I said, here's a search warrant. And what I'm going to do now is have you step outside with this deputy. And he said, well, I, I got to leave my own house. I said, you know, step outside on the porch. You can sit there if you want to. You can leave if you want to, but you're going to get out of my way while I search this residence. We had, this is a search warrant for this premises, and I'm looking for any type of evidence that could be used in this crime or, or whatever, right? And he was none too happy. And But he got up. And, when, uh, at first he rolled it. He'd already smoked that other cigarette, right? So now we're standing in there in the heat. And I'm breathing this nasty-ass cheap cigarette smoke. About to die of sweat. And I said, come on, get up. And uh, I said, you got any weapons on you, anything? And he said, does it look like I do? And he, he was taller than me when he stood up. And, and uh, 
we all went out on the porch, and I had to go out on the porch so I could get some fucking air because I was about to die. And I pulled Brad to the side. I said, look, dude, I got to take my jacket and this shit off. I said, it me. he said, man, it's hotter fucking there. And I said, we need to get our bags and shit in, in case we get something. And, you know, the search warrant return paper, and let's go back in. We'll hit it methodically. So we got our stuff together. I took my jacket off. I took my tie off, rolled my sleeves up. We go back to the door. He's sitting on the edge of the porch, and he won't even look at us. And but he's smoking another cigarette, and the deputy's just standing there uh, in the shade, watching him. And so we go in, and we start with the living room. I don't know what the fuck we're looking for. And I told Brad, I said, "Just, I mean, anything, right?" I said, "We'll take it room by room." So we went through the living room, and you know, it's just ashtrays full of cigarette butts, and and you know the VCR tapes, and went through each one of them in case it was like, you know, some child porn or something, right, and, uh, and hidden amongst them. And there wasn't. And we went into the kitchen, and on this little bitty, like, three-burner stove, it was a, um, a black iron skillet with bacon grease in it, and it was bacon, it was just wasn't real clean, y'all. Bacon grease on the wall from where it had been popping, the little table. I mean, shit, we even looked in an icebox and, and really couldn't find a dick. Uh, uh, there was nothing that really jumped out at me. Went into the bathroom, uh, nothing. And I mean, just nothing, right? And 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 so then we get to the bedroom, and I open the door. And if you thought it was hot, and the and now at least in the the living room area, they had a, a box fan that was blowing, and you had a little bit of air movement. You open that bedroom door, and it was a oven. Okay, now they had a fan. Let me say, let me describe it to you. You open the door, it's very, very small. The Immediately to your right, immediately to my right is a little path that goes along the bed. Now, the bed is horizontal in front of me. It's a full-size bed, and then you had to walk around the end of the bed, and there was a closet on that wall with a, uh, those old sliding brown doors, a real small closet, and then uh, there was a dresser just past the edge of the closet against the wall. And then there, there was a window, which is immediately on the other side of the bed, and it had a fan, a smaller fan in it. But the window was closed, fan was off. And then, uh, but there were, there were two bedside tables, one on the far side and one closest to me. And then there was the bed. And, and so I, said, I told him, I said, we just got to start looking. And so I start, you know, with the bed. I look at the, I'm looking at the bed. I'm getting down to look underneath the bed. And then Brad said, hey, 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 Woody. And I, and I look up, and he's over in a corner by the uh, by the dresser, and he's holding up a garbage can, a small plastic garbage can. And I said, what is this? He said, check this out. And so I go over and I look, and I look in there, and there's a Polaroid film wrapper, right? And then, I don't know if a lot of y'all probably never got to use Polaroid cameras, but we when we when I first started in, in law enforcement, that's what we used on scenes. We didn't have digital cameras. We took Polaroids, everything, and thir then 35 millimeter if it was like a homicide or something. So I'm looking at, I know what it is, and shit, I know Polaroid stuff isn't cheap, and then and it was on top of the basket. I say on the top, almost the top of the basket, and I'm like. Damn, I wonder where the camera's at, bro. He said, I don't know. We need to find it. I said, you're right. So we, we start looking. He's going through the dresser, and he's going through the closet. And I went back and, and got on underneath the bed, and then I turned the mattress up. And look, y'all, it was so hot. It must have been like 130. Y'all could probably hear the thunder outside. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's like 130 degrees. 
and I'm just drenched. And I look on the bedside table after I put the mattress down, and there's this perfectly folded light blue towel. Not even like a, a full towel, more like a, not a washcloth, but something in between. I don't know what you call those towels. But I looked at it, and it was perfectly folded, and it was, you know, kind of worn down, a little bit threadbare, if you call it, or whatever you want to call it. And it was perfect, but I picked it up and I sniffed it. Now, looking back, no, <laughs> now I wasn't thinking of the heat or whatever. But you know, what? It, was, it smelled fresh. It smelled downy fresh. And and I took that son of a bitch and I shook it out and I looked at it on both sides. It didn't have any blood or anything on. I mean, I really think. It probably come out of the dryer that morning, I don't know, or wherever they got their clothes done because there wasn't a washer dryer in the house. But I took that some bitch and I started mopping my face with it. I mean, I was literally, I was getting lightheaded. That's how hot it was in there. And then I'm, I'm mopping my face with it. And Brad said, what the fuck are you doing? And, and I looked at him and he said, dude, he said, Look where that towel was. And and I said, it was on top of the dresser. He said, yeah, beside the bed, man. He said, it's going to be a jizz towel. I bet you money it's a jizz towel. I said, well, it may be a jizz towel, but it was a clean one. And I'm about to fucking die. So, and, and, and I used it. And I, I had it so wet in like 10 seconds, I could have wrung it out, right? But anyway, so I, I stopped. I said, look, I got to go outside and get some air, man, get some water. I, I mean, we had water, water's in the truck. I said, and I said, just keep looking. I'm going to uh, go outside, I'm going to call. First of all, I'm going to ask him uh, uh, about a Polaroid camera, and then I'm going to call the mom and see what she says separate. So I go out and I said, I say, Don, Mr. Don, I said, you own a Polaroid camera? And he said, nothing I know of. I said, shit, here we go. And then, so I already told me that, that the Polaroid camera was going to be something important. So I go out to the truck and get some water, and I called. I got in, turned the air on full blast, and I called the, the grandmother, and I said, hey, I said, do you have a Polaroid camera in your house? And she was like, I don't know. And, and I said, what do you mean you don't know? She said, I don't know. We may have had one a long time ago, but I don't know. I said, so have you bought any Polaroid film recently? And she was like, no. And I said, and you you don't know if the Polaroid camera is in your house or where it will be located or whatever. And she said, I already told you, I, I don't know. Maybe one time, a long time ago, but I, I I haven't seen it, and I didn't buy any film or anything else. I was like, cool. So I go back in and cooled off a little bit. And then when I was going back in, he said, it's hot in there, huh? The Don said, it's hot in there, huh, bud? I said, yeah. He said, you can open that that window uh, uh, and turn that box fan on. I said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do that because, you know, we're looking for shit, right? I don't want something to get blown away. So I go back into where I was, and Brad was finishing up on that side of the room and in the closet. And then I'm, I look at the bedside table where I got the alleged jizz rag from and, and mop myself with it. But the, I start going to the, the, um, the drawers, and sure enough, I opened the top drawer, and you know it's just I don't know what was in it, just bullshit. But I opened the bottom drawer. Now this this is a two drawer bedside table, but the big the, the the drawer on the top was smaller, and the bottom was a bigger, thicker drawer, right? And I opened that bitch, and it had like KY jelly, and I don't know like. You know, Vaseline and, and whatever. My fuck, he was probably right about the just how. But I'm looking at it, and 
you know, that's not certainly that's not a, a, a sign of a crime. I mean, the, I'm sure a lot of people have lubricants in their bedside table, right? But the I'm looking at the dresser in. I'm just, I'm like, I told Brad, I said, we're missing something, bro. I said, we got to, we got to go over this room again. I said, you know, the closet and, and what have you. And so we start going over it again. I went under the bed again. I made sure there was nothing taped under the bed. And then finally I came back to the dresser. I'm like, you know, if you're going to keep your shit and, and you'll be masturbating right here, then it would serve your purpose if you're going to use a camera. And now when you, when you had the, uh, the wrapper uh, in the garbage can, which we did end up taking, but you, you know, we had the white gloves on too, y'all, the, the rubber gloves, which made it even hotter. So we took that and we did bag that with bar without barely touching it in, in case we needed to get DNA or fingerprints off of it. But I go back to this dresser and I start fucking with the drawer, the one that had the, the uh, KY jelly and stuff in it, and, and I'm messing with it and I pull it out to the end. It's on like a roller on the end. And then I kind of forcefully pulled it, and pop, some bitch came out. And I'm like, oh, because they, they, a lot of times they'll have a void at the bottom. It's where people hide their drugs and stuff. I pull it out, and I, and I get down, I get my light, and I look in. Boom, bitches, there's a Polaroid camera. And quadruple boom, bitches, there's there's pictures, Polaroid pictures, and scattered in the bottom. And I just told, I told Brad, I said, jackpot, I said, come here. And now we're in this tight spot. I said, look, and then I said, take a picture of it. And he took a picture of the camera in there with these uh, Polaroids, and they were kind of just thrown in there. And I said, look, I'm going to get them out. One at a time, I said, get a bag. We're going to label them. Uh, I want you to take a picture of each one of them. When we come out, a digital picture of each one, and we're going to put them in a bag in case we can get fingerprints. Well, I didn't know what was on, on it, I mean, but I just knew that we had something, right? So I reach in and I take the camera out and I think it had like four shots. I opened it and it had four shots left in it, four pictures left to take. And we took it, bagged it, and I start pulling out the, I think there was six or seven Polaroids and I pull from the back first, I pull from the back first and it was a, a picture, a Polaroid of a naked woman her face was not in, or her hands were covering her face and it showed her breasts and her vagina. And, and I'm thinking, mm, this is grandma, right? And, and uh, but no proof. And I gave it to him. I pull it, reached the back and pull it out and another one. And it's a, it, there were three of, I believed it to be the grandma and, and, um, naked now. And each one should cover her face, but, and, and one of them, she, she was had her vagina displayed you know, using her hands. The vagina displayed. So these are close-up Polaroids, y'all. But and I'm like, well, certainly she didn't take this picture herself, right? So they damn well knew they had a Polaroid camera, and they damn well were lying to me about not having a Polaroid camera. It could have been they were embarrassed, uh, whatever, right? But I'm still digging, and. The next four pictures I pull out, explain the hook. And it, the, these, they're hard, it's hard, y'all. It's even hard seeing my mind's eye now. The, the next four pictures I took out and I didn't have to say anything. Uh, first of all, it was it, it was the baby. It was close up of a approximate two and a half year old naked 
Spagiana, right? The first one. And then uh, the second one to pull out has the the naked child in it again, but it had the hook. And the hook was one of the longest penises I've ever seen. And, and, and it was a long, skinny penis, but it hooked. When I, by that I mean if you had your penis sticking out straight in front of you like you know most people do at the bottom end of this or I guess you say the head end of the penis turn back up at almost a 90 degree angle so if you do your hand like the baby did it, it you know you could assume that that's a penis that goes out and, the, and she's talking about the hook on the top so the whole head maybe maybe two inches before the head of the penis, it made a dramatic curve back upwards um, facing the camera. And I'm like, holy shit. Holy shit. I, first of all, I th thought the dude was deformed. I didn't know that. I, I, I would research it later on and find out what it was. But anyway, I was just like, holy shit. And, and you know, I showed it to Brad, and he was just speechless. And he was, he was like, what the fuck? And, then, and so they get the other three out, and it shows the hook being forced between the baby's legs. Now, you can't see the full penetration or whatever because obviously the person who had this hook was taking the picture with one hand and, and was masturbating himself or appeared to be. He had his, his other hand wrapped around his penis, and it appeared that he was trying to shove it into the baby's vagina. Now, all four pictures, or the, the one picture was, was of the baby naked. The other three showed the hook at, at various uh, stages in between the baby's legs. So in my mind's eye, I'm thinking he is jacking off on the baby, right? And, and uh, but he's deformed and and but I don't know if really if it's him. Now certainly we're in his bedroom, and, and I'm assuming it's going to be his camera. And we had the the film wrapper from from the garbage can and everything else. I mean I got way more than enough probable cause. Now I'm holding child pornography on top of that. Plus it's it's a, it is a whoever's doing this. Let's say they didn't do anything to the baby, but and then they they just got child porn in somebody was was trying to penetrate a baby, okay? And so take it out and get down and look underneath. There's nothing else in there. You know, we photographed the whole thing up and put it up, and I told Brad, I said, we're going to go arrest this motherfucker, and we're going to get some fucking juice out of him. I, I was pissed, I'm going to be honest with you. And it take, you know, all the bloody murder scenes and all that bullshit, that's, that's one thing that doesn't really bother me. The uh, I mean, I get emotionally involved with it and stuff, but this was a sweet, innocent baby, and she knew enough. Who couldn't communicate properly, I guess you would say, but she knew enough to be able to bend her arm over like that. And if if that wasn't what she was talking about, I'd be a monkey's uncle. All right, so, and I told Brad, I mean, he, he was just, he was red. And I knew he, he wanted to kill this guy. And I said, just, I'm going to go out here and, and we're going to put some bracelets on him, right? So I walk out, and he's sitting there with another cigarette. 
and 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 sitting on the edge of the porch. And he's like, "Well," and and we left the stuff in the room, y'all, the uh, the evidence. And I said, "Stand the fuck up." He said, "What you talking about?" I said, "Stand the fuck up." And and he had that cigarette in his hand. I took my hand. I knocked the shit out of his hand. I knocked the cigarette out. I grabbed his hand and pulled him up, spun him around, put him up against the porch, and took my cuss from behind my back, click, click, bitch, your ass is coming with me. I said, now you're under arrest. He said, what for, what, what for? I said, at the very least, child possession of child pornography. And I said, but I expect it's going to be a whole lot more than that. And he's, he's trying to start running his mouth. I said, you need that that right to remain silent, you need to use a motherfucker. I said, because you like to get fucking hurt. I said, you need to shut the fuck up. Man, you, when we get to my office, which is air conditioner, we, I'll give you a chance to talk. So we, we ended up closing up the scene and uh, get him transported to the office. We got him a, a, a T-shirt and some shorts, the uniform guy did. Got him transported up to the detective's office. And I told Brad, I said, I'm not going to fuck with him. And, and I mean, I, you know, I'm going to you know, I said, I didn't mean I wasn't gonna fuck with him. I was gonna get the confession. What I meant was I didn't wasn't gonna dick around with him for a long time. I said, but I, I'm going to get the the mom. I mean, his wife back up here also. And so I sent a deputy to do that. I said, I don't give a fuck. You go arrest her. You bring her ass up here. You put her in handcuffs. As far as I'm concerned, she's obstructing the investigation. It's a probable cause arrest. Go get her. So they they went to get her. And we go back in on him, and he's sitting there. And I took his cuffs off and I put him in the front and I sat down on my desk and put my feet up and like I'm kind of chill now. And he's he's like, I don't know what's going on. I said, Well, we're gonna do this again. And then I had Brad read him the uh, Miranda rights form and the consent to question, and, and I said, you need to sign them if you want to talk. And he said, well, I want to talk. I said, sign the fucking papers. And, and and he's like, I don't know why you're mad at me. I said, well, we're going to talk about it. And, and I said, uh, when he got done signing, I said, do you own a Polaroid camera? He said, I don't know. And and I said, ask me, do I own a Polaroid camera? And he said, do you own a Polaroid camera? I said, fuck no, not, I don't know. I said, so if I tell you I found a Polaroid camera underneath your bed stand, you don't know nothing about that? He said, no, I don't know nothing about that. I said, well, guess what, dumbass? It's got your DNA all over it. It's got your fingerprints all over it. And I said, and each one of those Polaroid pictures are going to have your shit all over it. I said, but here's here's the deal. I said, I don't know what fantasy fucking world you're living in. I'm going to tell you exactly how the rest of your life is going to go. And you can help yourself out or not. I said, if you don't tell me the reason you did what you did, then I'm going to drop the fucking hammer on you and bust your fucking balls to the cows come home, bitch. And I said, but but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. And when you go to prison for baby raping and child pornography, even fucking thieves and murderers can't stand a fucking baby raper. And he was like, oh, I said, shut the fuck up and listen to me. I said, do you like to toss salads? And he kind of looked at me. I said, you like you like jelly? And he looked at me and, and, and I said, Dude, what about... Washing clothes. I said, you wash your clothes? And your wife washes clothes. She said, no, she takes them and washes them. 
I said, okay, well, so she washes your drawers, right? And he said, yeah. I said, well, you're about to take that chore over for a whole bunch of people. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, your ass is going to prison. And unless you can give me a viable excuse and, and you want to confess and, and, and show remorse and tell me what happened, I said, I'm going I'm to bust your fucking ass on these charges. And when I put that baby on the stand and she's able to point out that it's you that did this to her, you're going away for aggravated rape. And that's the death penalty case, first of all. I said, not only one's ever been solved in the state of Louisiana. I said, but I don't want you to die. I want you to get put on a cell block, and everybody's down there is going to know you're a fucking punk-ass bitch baby raper. And what's going to happen is they're going to, the guards, the correctional officers, aren't going to give a fuck about you and being in your 60s and the the, before you get back there on those cell blocks, those inmates, the convicts, not the inmates, the convicts, the ones who truly run the prison, they know who's coming back there before you get back there, and they're not above handing a correctional officer a card and a cigarette to get your ass put in the cell with them so they can turn you out and fuck you every day for the rest of your life. I said, but that's the fucking part. You'll get used to that. I said, but every morning when they come around, they serve breakfast through the trap doors about at least three days a week. They have biscuits, and they slide in these little packages of jelly. You know, those little single-server packages of jelly? And he's like, he was kind of... You know, he kind of taken back, but he's damn sure listening, right? And he kind of shook his head, yeah. I said, well, they save those. And I said, and your bull is going to, when he has enough over a couple of days, he's going to get naked, and he's going to make you jack him off. And then when he gets ready, he's going to bend over. He's going to have you open up those packages of jelly, and he's, you're going to put that jelly on his asshole, and you're going to swash it around with your tongue while you jack him off. I said, then I hope you like high-protein shakes because when he gets ready to have an orgasm, he's going to turn around and put his dick down your throat, and you're going to swallow every bit of it, and, and don't you dare spill a drop. Man, this motherfucker's eyes were bigger than shit. I said, that's called tossing salads. And I said, and the protein drink. I forgot to tell you about that ahead of time. I said, but you're going to toss out this bitch, and you're going to get fucked in the ass because you're a baby raper. I said, and the washing drawers, when, when he doesn't feel like fucking you or having an orgasm, he's going to have other people that that are going to drop off their prison-issued underwear, and you're going to hand-wash the shit stains out of them. The reason they do that is because instead of turning their underwear back in every week and getting another pair that, that uh, 2,000 other inmates have worn and farted in over the years, they, they hold on to their own underwear and they wash them by hand so they don't have to get somebody else's jizz or, or shit stains or whatever in it. I said, you are going to be tossing salads and washing dirty fucking drawers and having high-protein shakes for the rest of your life. And, and man, he, his face was just big and, 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 and color-drained out of it and everything else. And, y'all, I didn't give a fuck. I mean, he's a fucking punk-ass baby rapist, and I knew it, but I had to be able to prove it. I said, so, now, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and you can answer them. Or not, I don't give a fuck. I already got enough. We're going to get your DNA off all that shit. We're going to get the baby to testify, and you're done. I said, now, the flip side of it is, if if something happened, then you need to tell me. And he was like, he looked at me. I said, well, I mean, you know, your wife's asleep on the couch, 
and you got this baby being, I'm gonna, I came coming down on me all soft. I said, you got this baby being dropped off every day using your electricity. I'm using his words against him. Using your electricity, eating your food, and shit, if you want to have sex with your wife during the middle of the day, you can't even do that because the baby's always there. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, but and, and then the baby, your wife's asleep, and this baby goes and, and gets in, in your bed, and you go in there maybe to get her out of the bed, and maybe she grabs you, maybe she grabs your dick. And 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 she's you know babies like to play with things. Maybe she grabs your dick, and 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 you got hard, and and hey, the you know. I don't. I know you didn't fully penetrate her, uh, uh, but may, I mean, you're a human being. You're a man, and and you need to have release. So I mean, if you masturbate it, that's one thing, dude. I said, but otherwise, I, I'm gonna call it a rape. I said, but you got to tell me. You got to tell me. And he was like, he was thinking, boy, he's thinking real hard. And he said, can I have a smoke? Can I have a smoke? I said, fuck no, you can't have a smoke. And then I reached out my desk and I pulled out a pack of smokes. Now y'all always kept them there for interrogations. When I knew people smoke like that, I threw them on the desk in front of us. I said, there's a pack right there. I said, you gonna t you tell me the fucking juice of what happened and in. You, you can smoke the whole pack. I don't give a fuck. He said, you let me go have a smoke. And, and he said, I need to take a shit. I need to take a shit. And I was like, yes. Every case I ever worked where I got a great confession and I took a guy out and let him smoke and then he had to shit, I knew I was going to get a confession. What they're doing is he's delaying. He's trying to figure out in his mind what he's going to say. Y'all apologize about the thunder. But it, what he's going to say uh, to, to minimize his fucking evilness, right? And so we took him down and uh, took him out outside the back the back area door, let him smoke, and took him up and sent him in the stall. And he went in there and he he must have had, well, I guess it was a nervous shit, but he was in there blowing it up, blowing the shit out. And he gets up and flushes it and he comes out and I said, now you ready? He said, I'm ready. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. So we go back in, we sit down and he said, well, she came over like she'd been come over for a couple of weeks and she's eating my food and she's always climbing on me and, you know, sitting in my lap and grinding on me. I said, I get that. And I said, you know, that's, that's how kids do it. Bounce. I bet she was bouncing all over. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, my wife, that bitch fell asleep in, in, um, and the the baby got up and went in, into the bedroom, and and I went in there to get her to make sure she was safe, and then she grabbed my dick, and 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 I started to get hard, and and you know, and and and, and I just had to do what a man has to do. But I said, I understand that, I understand that. I said, well, tell him about the Polaroid camera. And he was like, he stopped, and I said, well, I, I mean, look. Maybe maybe you didn't want to fully penetrate her. Maybe you didn't fully want to rape her, but and you didn't want to get in trouble for it. So you, you take the Polaroid camera out and you t you snap some pictures of it so you can use later on, right? And instead of fully raping her, he said, "Yeah, yeah, that's what I did. That's what I did." And he said, "I took I took some pictures of it." I said, "How many?" He said, I, "I," he said, "maybe three or four. He said because it was uh, the camera made a lot of noise and I didn't want to wake my wife up." I said, "Let me ask you something." I said, that baby went in that room like that, like I did today. He said, yes, sir, she sure did. I said, let me tell you something. It has 150 fucking degrees in that room. And he said, oh, no, no, no. Uh, um, 
I opened the window and turned the fan on so we'd have some air. I'm like, yeah, you just fucked yourself. Right, not, I mean, he admitted to the pictures, but when he, to, in my mind's eye, you going in there to spend a little time if you're gonna open the window and turn the fan on. And so he, he said that he masturbated on her, and, and then I asked him, I said, Look, I gotta ask you something. I said, Look, I've been around a long time, and I've seen a lot of porn, and you know, done a lot of things. I said, I said that's you in the in the picture, and, and I had Brad pull him. He said, Yeah. I said, Well, initial that this is you. Oh, this is on our, our photocopy of it. Y'all had printed them out. I said, Initial that this is you, and and he did, and it was the one that it was. The, I think there's three where he had his dick in the picture, and one of the baby by itself. I said, initial that you took these and, and write what day you took it. And he was cooperating now, what day you took it. And, and, I, and then I said, okay, well, I want to ask you about this. He said, what? I said, what the fuck is wrong with your dick? <laughs> and and he was like, oh, man, oh, man, I got a disease. I got a disease. I'm thinking, you got fucking something. And and I said, well, I, I need you to explain that because obviously that's better than having a tattoo on your dick that that's you, right? I said, now we can get a search warrant. We can take you to the hospital. We can have them hook you up to a Doppler machine where they wire your dick and give you a hard-on shot and you know make your if that's you, and it'll do, you know, your dick's going to curl up anyway. He said, that's right. And he said, he said, but I can't even really keep it hard long. And he said, um, because of the curl and the blockage I have in it, he said, but it only curls when it gets hard. Um, and he said, I can't keep it hard for long. And he said, um, he said, but, you know, I masturbate a lot. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, just how. And, but anyway, he said, but I, I didn't fuck her. He said, I didn't fuck her. He said, you know, I just, I just jacked off her. I said, I get it, man. I get it. I'm treating with kid gloves. Brad's about to throw up or kill somebody. I should. I, I thought I, I probably should have to take Brad's fucking pistol before we went in there because I mean he, you know, Brad's a good dude and and, and he had a baby that was, I think his, his baby was like that age at that time. But at the end, when I got done with him, you know, went through it again and had him uh, identify the pictures and the the whole nine yards. And look, I know that baby wasn't grinding on him and didn't grab his dick, right? But we went from having nothing at the beginning of that day, nothing, not even the hook, the, the, the baby doing it, to getting the search warrant, to finding the stuff, from him denying everything, to him admitting that he masturbated. And that was him in the photos, and he took the photos. And, and I mean, so really... I, I mean, and my heart goes out to the baby and the mama, right? And it always does. And um, but in my mind, it's a huge success because the I, I don't think this is the first time he's done this to some kids. He may may have been getting away with it, but you don't start out photographing as part of a sexual deviant. Uh, uh, almost important for for the pedophile to photograph the images is, I mean, for him to do the act is for him to photograph it so you can use it to masturbate to later on. So no doubt in my mind that had that baby gone back over there, he'd have done it again and he'd have found a way to penetrate her and, and, and tear her up. And if it hadn't been her after he, let's say that was his first time and he would have been looking for another kid to do it to because obviously he got off on it. He was in his 60s. I told you he had a bad back. While he was locked up in the jail, he had a stroke. Uh, I mean, waiting on the, the trial, the pre, all the pretrial shit I'll tell you all about. 
and then uh, he he ended up pleading to 80 years. Now that's a death sentence, right? I mean, but he I mean he wasn't gonna take it to trial. Yeah, I guess he didn't want the whole world to see his hook dick. And the main thing is that baby he was never gonna hurt that baby or anybody else again. So in my mind's eye, as horrible as it is, it was a, a success. And I did look it up, y'all, about his penis, and it's, it is a disease. It's called Peroni's disease. And they have, like, different levels, and his, like, is the most severe ever. And, uh, I mean, it literally, the head of his penis was, like, at almost a 90-degree angle back facing towards him. So, anyway, that's, I'm going to conclude Hook. Oh, he, this is one that I actually do know. This dude, he died. He, died, he didn't live uh, maybe... I don't know, six or seven years, he died in Angola. Um, and I know this because I was with the state police at the time. And some, I saw somebody or something, and, and one of the people I used to work with, I can't remember who it was, but they told me, he said, oh, you know the guy, you sent up the baby raping charges, he pled out to whatever, and, and I said, yeah. He said he died, he had a massive heart attack and died in the prison. So I don't know if he was tossing salads when he had his heart attack, but I kind of hope he was. But I'm going to conclude this episode of Real Life, Real Crime. And, y'all, a couple announcements. Always, Justice Courtney, keep praying. Miss Barbara Blunt, keep calling in your tips. Things are happening, okay? We're in a holding pattern, literally, all right? And then, um, but y'all, please continue to like us on Instagram and at Real Life, Real Crime, or at Overton Woody. I put some funny stuff up there. Try to almost every day. Oh, Discord. Y'all had more fun on Sunday. I was on a Sunday night. I had to spend the night in Lafayette. And I was hanging out at one of my lo uh, little local bars, the Cottage Cafe, drinking my Bloody Marys. I got to get on Discord for like two hours with the people that are doing it. So y'all know who you are. It's Open Container Above, patron members. That was awesome. I loved it. I try to get on there at least every other day. But they're on there all the time when I'm not. And it's, and it's life for from all over the world. So I just want to tell y'all thank you for that. It was cool. And y'all know all our, our Facebook pages, Real Life, Real Crime, friends, fans, and crew. If you're not a member, go ask to be approved and our dream team moderators best in the world will get you approved but only go if you like true crime and it's not for the faint of heart now we have other pages real life real crime lanyard page the you can go in there it's a private group you get your dream team and get you approved you can post anything you want to in there from movies to what you sell to your pictures of your dogs whatever that and of course we have our regular pages and all that local advertisers Love it, love it, love it. We're getting to meet some of the best people and working with them now. And you've heard a couple of them already, but the uh, love it. I love being at, it's not necessarily local, y'all. Small businesses is kind of where my uh, heart's at. And we do it for the national brands every week. If you're not a patron member, I know you have to sit there and listen to those commercials. Sorry. You know, got to pay the bills on it, and so. But we were making those people money, and and uh, lifers are you know buying the products, etc. But let's do it for local or small businesses. So y'all contact my wife Cindy C Y N D I at reallife, realcrime dot com, and the we have a 
the wide variety of things that we can do to uh, promote your business. So, and we'd love to do it. Now, thank you so much, Lopa, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. Give the gift of life, y'all. April is Organ Donation Month, whatever the official term is. And we're going to be doing some LOPA stuff, homicides that, um, that involve LOPA. And it's just really important. All these people that are out there dying, and we lost another great one this week, y'all. Mr. Mike, um, I'm tired of everybody dying, man. But the, the, it is what it is, right? But the, uh, but all the people out there dying, and not just from COVID, and dying for other reasons. Cancer sucks, and in, but. People need organs, all right? And, and um, you know, imagine not being able to see and get, being able to get in somebody's eyes and being able to see again and stuff. So it's just important. Go to lopa.org. Let me get my map out. Pick you. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can go to lopa.org and sign up. You can do not have to be in the, inside the state of Louisiana. And let's go with. New Zealand, if you're in New Zealand, and we have actually we have a lot of listeners there. If you're in New Zealand and you want to become an organ donor, go to lopa.org, fill it out. There's a spot on there if you want to. You can say you heard about it on Real Life Real Crime. I don't get paid. They don't get paid, y'all. I'm doing because I think it's important. Anyway, love and appreciate each and every one of you. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life Real Crime, the podcast. Until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Get ready, you're gonna do time. Real life, real crime. Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Template.